All right, for those listening on the recording, we just did a review of chapters 1 and 2, so um, you can read that and be caught up. Okay, where's my... I skipped a page. Here we go. Okay, so let's pick up in chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. Um, and uh, I like to let you guys do the narration just like we did. So um, we'll read these verses and then you guys can retell the story and pull out whatever details that you notice. So, so pay close attention here. Ruth chapter 3 verse 1. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Okay, we'll stop there, actually. Yeah. Okay, so... uh, Tell me what just happened. When Naomi's concerned about what's going to happen to, to Ruth, so she is trying to make preparation because of Boaz, and, and uh, I don't know what all she has in mind at this point, but uh, she tells her what to do. Good, good. Um, specifically, uh, uh, the word there, you probably have a footnote with um, under, uh, I must find a home for you, or another word is rest. Um, it's From what I could see, it's not used maybe five or six times in the Old Testament, um, and it is, it is the same word that is used for the bird that is let go from the ark and could not find a place to rest, and so it comes back to the ark. So uh, it's that kind of, I need you to find a place for you to, to light, right? To rest. Um, good. Okay. What happens next? Well, she tells Ruth where it's probably going to be and gives her some instructions, you know, go wash. Yeah, you know, been out the fields all day. Probably got sweaty. Yeah, you know, good. Yeah, you know, anoint yourself, put on your best clothes, and go there. And don't let him know you're there, but watch where he uh, where he settles for the night. Good, good. So she knows he's going to be at the threshing floor because after they've been picking all day, they're going to be threshing all evening, right? Um, and gives him gives her some instruction. Anything else stand out to you? What else did you notice from the text? Well, what stood out for me was she was still in her morning clothes. Okay. When Naomi spoke to her. 
about washing and putting on oil. Okay. So where did you, how do you know she was still in her mourning clothes? Like M-O-U-R-N, mourn? Okay. <coughs> she was still mourning her husband. Okay. How do you, how do you know that? I didn't get that. You didn't? I didn't, but I miss things all the time. What 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 do you uh, what did you see that um, made you feel like she was in her morning clothes? Well, I'm reading something else that told me that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So a commentary. Right. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That's great. Maybe she was. Yeah, Isaiah. Well, verse three. Mm-hmm. Like she's referring to, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Uh, when Jesus is talking to the, well, he's talking to people about when you're fasting, don't look like you're fasting. When ah. you're morning, don't look like you're mourning. And these are the things that he mentions. So maybe, maybe Excellent. that's kind of the thought process behind that. I don't know. Excellent. Yeah. So this is what you would do if you were in mourning. You need to do these things to prepare yourself for a celebration, right? Or to be presentable, right? Good. Great connection there. That's that. That's I think those two together really helped me. Yeah, that's a, that's a really really cool connection. All right, what else did you notice or read in a commentary? <laughs> I read um, like in a footnote that uncovering his feet was a way of. Letting him know that she wanted to be married to him. Good. Yeah, right. So Ezekiel 16 is a good parallel passage here. Um, And I I think we have, I think we can read the first eight verses here. Um, It is, is, it's a bit of a... um, uh, What's the word that I was thinking earlier? It's kind of a shocking um, uh, passage here, but um, the picture is Jerusalem and or Israel being an adulterous woman um, and not being faithful, and God's treatment of of her. So it says, uh, starting in verse one of Ezekiel sixteen, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable practices and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. Your ancestry and birth were in the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood, and as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, Live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew and developed and entered puberty. Your breasts had formed and your hair had grown, yet you were stark naked. And then here's the corner of the garment. Later I passed by, and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. 
I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Sovereign Lord, and you became mine. So again, uh, not the prettiest picture there, but I think it is interesting to read that in context of Ruth here, not just because you get a picture of the corner of the garment. Clearly, that is a, it's a marital thing, uh, obviously very cultural. I did not propose to Micah that way. So um, uh, I used different means. Um, but uh, just in general, there's someone who's despised and you cover her with your garment. Another, does anybody have anything different for garment there? Another way that that could be translated? Okay, uncover his feet, but then she says, cover me with your garment. That word is also translated wings. So cover me with your wings. And you kind of have the picture of a hen or uh, a a mama bird protecting her chicks by her wings. So she's saying, protect me, cover me. And in this application, definitely... Um, she's asking for protection in marriage, um, which is interesting. Uh, just just that whole context, because um, Ruth was a Moabite, uh, um, a Moabite, and that that carries a lot of negative energy with it when you're an Israelite. Like you have a God ordained uh, discrimination against Moabites. It was okay to say, oh, you're a Moabite, you're not welcome. And here, Ruth is the despised one. And she's asking to be covered, just like Jerusalem was despised and needed to be covered. Um, So that's, I think, a pretty pretty big picture there for us. Is this God talking, speaking to Ruth? Uh, in Ruth, this is Boaz, um, okay. her her relative that owns the field she's been picking grain from. Okay. It's him that he's laid down to go to sleep, and she came down and laid at his feet uh, to basically push the envelope and say, hey, protect me, um, and, and protect me in marriage. No, I was talking about this, because I read this earlier today. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that it was God speaking to her. That's in the Ezekiel passage. Okay. You, yeah. it, the Ezekiel passage is just kind of to shed some light on that. It's, it is a prophet that's, that is God speaking to Israel. So whereas in Ruth we have Boaz speaking to Ruth. Right. Okay. In Ezekiel it's a prophet of God telling the people what God wants them to hear and that is you were despised and rejected and I covered you with my wings the corner of my garment and I made you mine okay. yeah so I mean there's the parallel right um, really big picture that uh, this is just a small microcosm of our salvation in God that Ruth not welcome in Israel, but 
she says, spread your the corner of your garment on me, and, and Boaz will. And um, that's what we see um, in Ezekiel, and it's what God does for us through Christ. Pretty powerful image. Any... I'll just let you think about that. Let me know if you have any comments or anything to go along with that. Any any other thoughts? So did you notice anything else from the first seven verses there? Any like, I wonder, I wonder why... Any questions maybe that you don't see, you don't aren't readily apparent. You can always draw question marks. Why is he sleeping at the threshing floor? Right, yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Um, yeah, I guess it's just like a late night. Like this is the time of harvest, so you gotta make hay while the sun shines, right? Um, make barley while it's ready and you gotta you gotta get it in and get it taken care of. Well, this kind of strikes me as rather bold on Ruth's part, although she is doing what Naomi told, told her, her to do. do. Yeah. So I suppose that's rather bold of Naomi. Yes, I I agree. I I wonder uh, culturally how bold this is. Again, a lot of times, like when we're reading something, it doesn't necessarily seem shocking to us, but it might have been very shocking for them. Um, yeah, I, that's a that's a good question. How bold was this act? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure how I would have reacted if Deborah had proposed to me. Right. <laughs> right. Before this is over, they make sure that nobody's going to be suspicious about them. Good. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, um, in a male-dominated culture like that, because there are no husbands, if there had to be some forwardness on Naomi and Ruth's part in this regard, because had uh, uh, Naomi's husband still been around, maybe he would have been organizing this. Right, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you you would have, again, like this is the problem. There is, they, they are left unprotected, so they need someone to protect them, and a good picture of that is that she's got to go and initiate the contact um, in this regard, Lloyd? It may have been bold, but that was uh, Naomi's initial thought. I can't have any more sons. Even if I did, they wouldn't grow up soon enough to be husbands to y'all or continue on your husband's legacy. Mm -hmm. So that was her uh, intent from the outset. That's why she initially said, return to the home of your mother. Right, good. Yeah, I mean, she basically had three options to get a job, but she was too old, get married, but she was too old, or uh, just appeal to like the goodness of a kinsman redeemer. And that's, that's the only option she's got here. Good. Um, I kind of wondered why uh, she couldn't, why um, Ruth couldn't be seen at the threshing floor. Um, Unless there's, like, you wouldn't want rumors to be started. I, I, I don't really know. But that was kind of a question mark in my mind uh, I, that I couldn't find a really good answer for. Some people speculating. But um, 
Okay. Uh, got some more to cover here. So let's read uh, through the end of the chapter, starting in verse 8. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of, your, of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, No one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did, when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, she asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me six, these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. And we'll have to wait until Sunday to figure out what happens. Okay, so... Um, she lays down at his feet, and then around midnight, what happens? He wakes up. His feet are cold. <laughs> <laughs> Either they're cold or they're extra hot. I'm not real sure. <laughs> yeah. In Andy Griffith's version of Romeo and Juliet, when Romeo drinks... Uh, or no, he stabs. He stab himself, and and he falls down. Andy Griffith says, "Well, he was a big old boy, and when he fell on her, it woke her up." So maybe that happened here. I don't know. Um, that was definitely irrelevant, right there. Um, uh, good. So he wakes up, sees Ruth at his feet, and then what? Yeah, who's there? Who are you? Right? And then what? He doesn't let her go telling anything about what. Okay. Well, bef- before he, before we get there, what does she say, Kate? What does she say? Sorry, I was reading something else. Oh no, you're good, Ella. What did she say? She was she told him why she was there that she wanted him to spread his wings over good good so she 
uses the same verbiage that Naomi had given her and says, spread your garment over me. Right? Good. Um, Then what? He agrees. Um, Let's talk about his reaction a little bit. How does Boaz react? What are some of the words he says? He says that this kindness is uh, greater than the first one. Presumably, um, her coming back with Naomi, showing kindness there. Good. Right. This kindness is greater than the first. Right. So presumably, meaning this the other kindness is her coming back with Naomi, right? And caring for Naomi. Okay. What else does he say? Well, he tells her, too, not to be afraid. He's going to do whatever she, she asks him to do. Sorry, boy. Say that one more time. Uh, he, he tells her not to be afraid that he will do for her what she asks him to do. Good. Don't be afraid. And basically a yes. Good. So... Um, I think this is interesting. Um, so this kindness, so we talked about the first kindness was her coming. So this kindness is that, do you guys take it that that's, that she rejected youth, um, whether rich or poor, and chose Boaz? You don't think so, Isaiah? Well, maybe, basically, but I think more specifically, it's kindness to Naomi again. Because she's going to be willing to carry on his line, or her line, excuse me, in this case. That's what the kindness, this right. kindness is referring to. And this, and the, the thing that, um, the, what does this do for Naomi that, th- that this would be kindness to her? Protect her too. Carry on. Right, so he, she's, she's willing to marry Boaz, choose Boaz, and this is kindness to Naomi. Right? Any any other thoughts about that? And in dealing with Ruth's character, he says that she is a worthy woman. Good. I'm reading from this book. <laughs> right? And um what what else? What else does he comment about her? She's virtuous and noble. Okay. Good. Well known in the town. Yeah. Okay. A noble and virtuous reputation. Okay. Um Anything else? Go ahead. Boaz keeps the custom. He doesn't take advantage. He says, there's another closer than I. Mm-hmm. Good. So 
so he has integrity as well. One, one E. Good. Yeah. Reference the, the kindness, uh, more of a question, but I'm thinking about how since she's a Moabite that has uh, transitioned to Judaism, she's maintaining the customs and the religion of Jew, of the Jewish tradition to maintain this. And so I think that is also in relation to the kindness to Naomi and that she's uh, sticking with her, the Jewish faith that she has now claimed. Good. So not only in faith, but also in the spouse that she is accepting and choosing, right? After he says there is another person, he says, but if he doesn't want you, then I will take you. I Good. will protect you no matter what. Yes, another redeemer. Um, first option. But... I will care for you. Okay. So one thing that really stood out to me is this this statement here about her reputation. Um, so he says, uh, one other thing that we haven't mentioned yet, and I'll put it here. He calls her daughter several times. Uh, two or three times. And from what I can tell, that means daughter. Um, I'm not, we'll have to ask Tommy if there's something else behind that. But um, so I, I wonder if his age comes into play here because. He says, you reject, you You could have chosen a younger man, whether rich or poor. So I feel like from the, from the descriptions here, he's quite a bit older than her. And that, and that, would, that would make sense to me. And so she had other options in Moab. She is rejecting all the young men that she probably um, would, have, would have been a natural choice for her and choosing... A guy that probably could have been her father's age, right? Yeah, David. Yeah, the, the first thing he says to her in that, and the first time he uses my daughter, it's "May you be blessed of the Lord." Right. Uh, God bless. I think there's some significance to that as well. Yes, yes. The Lord bless you, my daughter. And then uh, I want to read this. All the people of my town, this is a verse 11, and I want to hear some other translations here. This is about halfway through verse 11. He says, uh, don't be afraid, I will do all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. What are some other ways that that's said? Excellence. Yes. Have, you are an, woman a woman of excellence, good. Virtuous, Virtuous woman, good. Worthy. Sorry? Worthy. Worthy. So, think about that. So, her reputation in everyone in town feels like she is a worthy woman of noble character. Why? They just met her. I think her selflessness has to speak volumes in this situation. 
Yes. Yeah. Other, other thoughts? Let's see if I can find one. I think that's it. She's caring for Naomi. Yeah. So they're really caring for each other, and she's making sure that Naomi's going to be taken care of. Yeah. And so she renounced her homeland and God's for Naomi's. Good. Um, so I think this is what I was referencing earlier. I think this harkens back to the selfless, sacrificial act that was her coming with Naomi to begin with at all. Um, one person put it this way. Um, she could, probably should have gone back to her family where she had a name, family, suitors, prospects, safety. She probably could and would have gotten remarried. Simple decision. But instead of a comfortable life, she chooses to be linked to Naomi and her pitiful, bleak prospects. She knows Naomi has very little chance of survival with her, but no chance without her, so she goes. She's the only immigrant that I've ever heard of that immigrates expecting a worse life. Think about that. It takes courage to leave your home. Um, I heard a story about a guy who left Croatia, left his uh, wife and children at home, left Croatia, came to the U.S., and then two years later, tickets arrive in Croatia and a bus stop name. And they left home with, and with a bus stop name and tickets and some money, they came to the U.S., and when they got to the bus stop, there he was. He had been coming to the bus stop every afternoon for three months to see if his family was there. And that takes great courage. And you know what? It, we probably have to, don't have to go back in every one of our families very far to hear that same thing. But they left. Everybody leaves expecting a better life. No. Um, Ruth expects a worse life. She leaves all behind and embraces a life of potter, poverty. It takes a lot of courage to leave. Um, I already said that. Uh, so, yeah. I think the fact that she came with Naomi has already told everybody in town what kind of person she is. And now Boaz sees her and even though she is a Moabitess, despised a God-ordained legal discrimination against her. She's accepted, and her character speaks above that. And that is why it's the book of Ruth and not Boaz, right? Okay, what else, what else do you notice about that? So, um, she rejected the youth. I think we talked about that. Um, there's an, but there's another redeemer, a first option, and maybe somebody talked, um, kind of uh, speculated that the reason that she should be sent away without anybody knowing she's there is because they don't want it to look like this is arranged and that. 
there's not a fair chance for the first option and that she's just not coming in and not giving the first kinsman redeemer an option. Um, so uh, let's let's read that real quick in Deuteronomy 25. I know it's discussed in Deuteronomy 25 and Leviticus 25. Yeah, Deuteronomy 25, verse 5. Um, who's got that and can read it for me? 5 through 10. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 5 through 10. When brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. It shall be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the name of his dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. But if the man does not desire to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate of the el- to the elders and say, My husband's brother refuses to establish a name for his brother in Israel. He is not willing to perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of the city shall summon him and speak to him. And if he persists and says, I do not desire to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the sight of the elders and pull, off, and pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. And she shall declare... Thus it is done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. In Israel, his name shall be called the house of him whose sandal is removed. <laughs> okay, so why, what, what did you hear in there that um, might, shed, might help us here in Ruth? It sort of loosened up on the law by this time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, another reason she would have favor is that she's continuing the Israel or Jewish legacy of that particular family versus going back home and ending his lot, his legacy. Right. Um, to the poor husband. Good, good, yeah. So in this culture, you didn't marry for love. You didn't marry for lust. You didn't marry for companionship. You married for family. And if you couldn't have a family, then your identity was corrupt, right? You see that in so many stories where this woman could not bear children and she doesn't know what to do. Her identity is bound up in the fact that she can have a family. So here, um, one other thing. Uh, Let's see. That's Leviticus 25. I think um, or no was it did we just read it um, so e- even in um, the law here it it is um, there's this understanding oh yeah verse 6 the first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother 
so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. Now what's the underlying cultural value there? Where are you reading? This is Deuteronomy 25, verse 6. Sorry. Deuteronomy. Sorry, I said Leviticus, but I it was we had just read it. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Isaiah. Did the you name, the name of the brother being carried on. Right. So that his name would not be blotted out. So there's great cultural value, even God ordained cultural value in a family, right? You carry on the name of your family. And if you're left without an heir, no one to take the land and work it and continue the family line, then, I mean, that's the worst thing ever. You, there are no more pettises. Right? That's the end of them. Um, people have uh, coined a term called an endling. And uh, that's the last one of its kind. Right, so the last of a breed or a species that dies, the endling has died. Right, so um, here that is a cultural value that that uh, God recognizes, even I think promotes here with this law, so that His name will not be blotted out. Ruth is rescuing the line of Elimelech, right? So add that to what she's bringing to the people around her. And really, she's the one that does all this and she gets nothing out of it. Right? She doesn't get a great status. She's still going to be a Moabite. But I tell you what, her reputation is going to precede her. Any other thoughts? Last couple minutes here. Carrying on that line had uh, great significance. Spoiler, Spoiler alert! alert. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. It, it would. God would have caused it to happen another way, but. <laughs> right. And you can't help but wonder if, like, look at this woman's faith. I'm going to give her a book. I'm going to tell her story. The Messiah is going to come from this lady. What great faith to aspire to. Thank you for your comments. We'll finish Ruth, I presume, on Sunday. I guess Tommy's teaching. He hasn't told me whether, he hasn't told me that. He hasn't told me I'm teaching, so. I'm going to go on record. Maybe you guys should text him. (laughs) Everybody text Tommy and say, can't wait for your class on Sunday. Thank you. That was really good.